Welcome to Mindset for Medical Moms. I'm your host, Courtney Given, fellow medical mom and life coach. I'm here to help you handle everything from doctor's appointments to surgery so you can feel confidence and peace as you navigate the ups and downs of medical motherhood. This podcast will share strategies and real life tools to strengthen your mindset and increase your emotional resilience. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, beautiful medical moms. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about weight loss. I'm talking about weight loss and tracking calories. I'm talking about body image. I'm talking about all the things I did to lose 20 pounds. And if that's not your jam, totally understand. And this is kind of my intro slash warning that this is a topic I'm going to talk about. I, over the last seven months, have lost, I mean, technically, yeah. So I started July 1st of 2023, and I had been wanting to lose weight for a while. But I wasn't committed because I was afraid of committing. (laughs) I was afraid of all the pressure. Um, I was afraid of all the, the, um, the story I had in my mind that went something like, you start this and you will give up. You start this and you will give up. If you start this, you will end up giving up. And and I basically was sitting, I remember sitting in my husband's office and having this thought in my mind because I was working out. And for those who are new or maybe haven't listened to those episodes, I've recorded a few podcasts where I've talked about my experience with exercise and how much it has helped me grow um, as a person. And But for exercise for me is completely separate from weight loss because I know they go hand in hand. I know that exercise is really important factor in health. But one thing for me is I had to separate the idea to have a relationship with exercise, I really had to separate that idea that it had to um, create weight loss for me. And so the weight loss portion for me centered around food. And most registered dietitians, most uh, personal trainers will always say like, hey, weight loss really begins in the kitchen. And with that said, I am a life coach. I am not a doctor or any kind of uh, nutrition related person. So of course, check with your healthcare providers and make sure that you're not confusing me with a doctor. (laughs) Um, but I just want to share my personal experience and give you and pass on the tips that I have. Um, because spoiler alert, it all came down to mindset. I had a question a few months ago on Instagram that basically was like, what do I start with, food or exercise? I'm lost. And my answer was neither. You start with your mindset. Because it was that day in my husband's office slash our home gym area. And by home gym, I mean like our weights. That I had that thought process because I was like, you know, I'm about to go drink a protein shake. And that's as far as I got with, you know, eating well to well enough to lose weight. I just knew like, okay, I can fuel my, my workouts with protein. And, um, I said, I had this brief thought and it was just, what would it be like to not give up though? Like giving up is our choice. I I speak to my mind like this all the time. And the dialogue in my mind was like, kind of went haywire a little bit like, what? 
like I was coaching myself because at that point I was so open to the possibility. I finally felt like that light bulb had switched on like, oh, like I'm so afraid of giving up because I think that giving up is this all or nothing experience. And I started getting very curious about where my headspace was. And I was like, wow, I'm opening up this whole side of me that I didn't know had needed to relearn this lesson of all or nothing. And I want you to know that I talk a lot on this podcast about the same handful of tools and the same handful of concepts because we will keep relearning the same lessons. We will keep relearning different variations of the tools and how to apply them in different areas of our life. And it doesn't mean you've regressed. It doesn't mean you are um, dumb or you haven't learned your lesson or you are never going to get it right. It just means that a new part of you is willing to grow in this area. Like you are shining a light on yourself so that you can one, grow in the more self-awareness, but two, to expand outside your comfort zone. And what I was so afraid of was that perfectionism that I always fell into when it came to eating. Um, I had tried to track macros before and I had done it for about two, maybe three months. And that perfectionism really had me in a chokehold. Um, so that on the days I would track, I would feel really good about myself. On the days I wouldn't, I would feel really bad about myself because I was putting my worthiness, my goodness on the line in terms of tracking. And when I recognized that pattern of thinking, I thought, okay, the macro thing isn't going to work for me. I was also giving the macros the responsibility of how I felt. And I don't necessarily regret that decision to not pursue those things anymore. It just, I wasn't in a space where I could detach that. Um, but it was also around the time where I noticed that I needed to separate exercise from weight loss. So I was growing in a lot of those ways and learning a lot of new information about my brain. And when I was in my husband's office at the end of June and I was, you know, finishing up my workout and I thought, well, why do I feel like this you know, it's like, yeah, I have, the truth is, it is that I did have, <laughs> the truth is, is that I had quit multiple times, right? Like I had started a, a new like motivation to like meal prep or eat my veggies or drink more water. And then I would quote unquote quit, or I would quote unquote have a bad eating day, or I would, you know, go out to dinner a few times and feel like just fuck it, I can't maintain a certain diet, so it doesn't really matter what I eat. Um, and that all or nothing for me felt like quitting. And so this got me very curious about what would it be like to not give up on myself? And from there I said, I want to know what it's like to not give up on myself. Like I wanna just see what I'm capable of when I don't give up. What happens if I eat out and I just don't give a shit that I ate out? What if I get to eat whatever I want and still lose weight? What if I can make it work so that I'm paying attention to my body? And I started getting very in curious about what I actually wanted my relationship with food to look like. And this was where the deep work started. This is where my internal dialogue really had to shift. And this day was so important for me because it really marked um, my commitment to myself. For a long time, I had commitment to goals, like, oh, I'm going to be committed to this goal. But this switched it for me. It was actually a commitment to myself that I wanted to not give up on myself because I was, I wanted to lose weight, um, but I also wasn't unhappy with my body. I wasn't unhappy with myself. 
I just knew that I would feel better if I had lost weight. And I was, I had gained almost 30 pounds through the pandemic. And I was uncomfortable. I was struggling with my, um, just my overall, like, physical health. And I was really at a point in my life where I was 30 years old and six months, 30 years and six months old. And I was like, I'm not getting younger. The, the big lesson in my 30s was like, oh, there's not going to be a day where I just like wake up and have less back pain or like less aches and um, pains. I'm going to wake up and only get older. And that understanding really prioritized my health because I was like, I want to not only be an example to my kids, but I want to ensure that I am setting myself up for an independent life when I am 90 years old. I want to make sure that I am capable of standing up and living unassisted as long as possible. And if I can do my end of the work for that, it's not about whether or not I'm going to get sick, right? I think at the end of uh, end of my life, health comes into play. We Our immune systems start to fail and we will all die at one point. But I remember watching um, a video not too long ago of a doctor who worked in geriatrics and she's like, the difference in your lifestyle choices at 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 are not you being healthy or not, but it's how you work through the end of the life and your end of life care. It's like your independence, the quality of life you have when you're sick and your ability to withstand sickness. Anyway, her summary of that video really inspired me to take a look at what I was doing to ensure that quality of life as I grew older. And that day when I realized that I wanted to know what it was like to not give up on myself, cemented my commitment to not giving up on me. And so here is how I lost 20 pounds. The first thing that I did was start listening to registered dietitians who I really liked. And the consensus is tracking calories. If you want to lose weight, you need to be in a calorie deficit. And for a very long time, for years of my life, I never, ever would have tracked calories. I would have never um, went along with this because I was so anti-tracking calories for so long. Um, because I, I grew up in, you know, the early 2000s where it was like low calorie everything. And that really put a bad taste in my mouth, like the 100 calorie Oreo snack packs and that were not actual Oreos. And like um, all the diet foods that I saw as a child, I was so anti that because, yeah, it just like totally turned me off from calorie tracking. And I saw how hard the diet industry pushed it as a way to measure our worth. Um, and still scientifically speaking, tracking calories is proven to help you lose weight. The problem is, is that there is a gray area in terms of what do you do after you've figured out how to track calories? Do you just track calories forever? And how do you do that at a restaurant? Are we always going to be pulling out our phone and our scales out of our purse and trying to measure our food? That was not for me, that lifestyle. <laughs> I was like, the number one question I had when I before I began this was, what do I want my relationship to look like with food? And I, I, I want, if you want to lose weight, you need to answer this question. Because this is going to tell you a lot about how to tailor your weight loss to your life. And for me, here are the things that I knew I wanted out of food. One, I wanted to enjoy anything and everything I ate with joy and gratitude. I never want to feel guilty about food ever again. I was like, if there is one thing I could change is eating a food and not thinking 
for one more fucking second that this is bad. This is a bad food for me. Whether it's unhealthy bad or I'm a bad person for eating cake five days in a row or whatever, I just wanted food to be a good experience, a joyful experience, an enjoyable thing that I got to do because I'm a foodie. I love food. Um, I grew up in poverty and and maybe this is just a, a link to that childhood experience, but I didn't grow up with a lot of food. I was often in a scarcity place, a scarce place with food, not a scarcity mindset, but legitimately a scarce place with food because we just did not have enough in our fridge. A lot of the times I would open that fridge and there would be nothing but the box of baking soda in the back. And I remember opening up cans of vegetables and that would be our food for my afternoon or whatever. That would be like green beans out of a can would be a lunch sometimes. And those highs and lows of having a fridge full of food, depending on when the food stamps came in or having no food really gave me this like, um, all or nothing experience with how much I would eat in terms of growing up as an adult, even into my adulthood. And so I just knew that for me, enjoying food feels like a gift. And I feel like I'm going to get emotional because it sounds so cliche, but if you've been in a place where food is insecure, having a plethora of food can still feel scary. It still feels like it could just all disappear. And so for me, I was at a place where like, look, I know I'm going to be fed. I know we are going to be able to eat and I'm not going hungry anymore. But the, the scarcity of that food growing up was replaced with guilt because then it was, is this healthy? Is this, are you eating too much of it? Blah, 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 blah. And so I just said, I never want to feel guilty about my food again. I want to only feel joy and excitement and gratitude. Um, I don't, the second thing was, I don't want to eat anything that's not worth it for me. If I start eating something, whether it's something I just paid $30 for, or whether it's some supposedly perfect protein bar, or if it's whatever it is, I don't care whatever it is, I'm not going to eat it if it's not good. If it's not worth it. If I buy a protein bar for $5 at the store and I take a bite of it and it tastes like cardboard, I am under no obligation to keep eating that. Just because I spent $10 on a protein bar or freaking $30 on a protein bar. I don't care how much money you've spent on any of the food. Um, you don't have to eat it. And again, that would be the guilt for me. Be like, well, this would be really wasteful. If you grew up with a family that was like, there are some people in the world that don't have any food at all. Like we got that and we were one of them <laughs> half the time. But um, I just wanted to never put myself in a position where I was forcing myself to eat something, forcing myself to eat something out of guilt or obligation or like, well, there's only one bite left on my plate. I might as well. No, I do not have to eat it. I don't have to eat anything. If I take one bite of my food and I'm like, oh, this is actually disgusting. I stop eating it. The other day I was at a hotel and I ordered tacos and I took a few bites and the the tacos were so greasy and so full of oil i could not enjoy it like it was so bad like the tortillas were soaked it was just not good and this i stopped eating it i just stopped because i was like this is not enjoyable for me i don't care that i just spent you know 30 dollars on this dinner i'm not going to force myself to eat this when it's not enjoyable and it goes for any health food. If I don't like lima beans, I'm not going to eat lima beans. I'm not going to eat anything I don't want to eat. I'm in charge of what I get to eat. I'm in charge of how much I get to eat. And giving myself this authority to decide and trust myself 
has been the best gift I've given myself throughout this experience. Which leads me to my last rule. I will not give up cheese. <laughs> Never in my life will I give up cheese. Cheese is a gift from heaven. And I will always pick a cheese plate. I will always pick cheese. <laughs> I don't want to give up cheese. And so I just knew these are these it whittled down to these things for me. Not feeling guilty about any of the food, feeling joy instead, and really freaking grateful that I could have the food in the first place and not forcing myself to eat anything I don't want. Um, and that is how I started with tracking. So I went into tracking with this in mind. I had decided what was important to me first, which also meant that I knew tracking was not going to be a long-term solution for me. I knew that tracking calories was not a lifestyle choice. It was a temporary tool for me to learn about my body and to learn visually what portion sizes are. Because let me tell you, when you realize the amount of calories in an actual tablespoon of peanut butter, you realize like, oh, no wonder peanut butter, like peanut butter is so calorically, calorically dense that you can get, you know, 500 calories of peanut butter in just a small amount. And it's really easy to overeat. And overeating causes weight gain. And yes, there are always exceptions to this. Hormones, you know, um, add to weight gain and different chronic illnesses and different um, fertility things. Like I know that there are so many things out there that cause weight gain or add to the obstacles in your way for either gaining weight or losing weight. But generally speaking, when you track calories, knowing the portion sizes will immediately help you understand how to visually see what calories look like. And this is also on the opposite end when you eat a high volume, meaning like a lot of food that is low calorie. For example, potatoes are lower in calories than I would have ever guessed because I grew up also in the low carb era where potatoes were like villains. And yes, carbs matter when you're diabetic or when you need to track your blood sugar spikes. But overall, potatoes are not evil. Potatoes are just potatoes. And when you are looking, I would make these big veggie, not stir fries, but like a lot of vegetables and potatoes and just give up a lot of volume. So it would be a lot of food for not that many calories. And I would be able to eat so much. Like I filled my plate up with all these veggies and these potatoes and some meat and maybe some avocado or something. And I would look at this plate and I'm like, this is 550 calories of food and I can eat so much. And I would know logically that the calories were perfectly adequate for my calorie deficit and still start to feel guilty that I was eating so much food. It did not matter to my brain that it was totally on track or on plan. It was more about visually seeing, quote unquote, what a lot of food looked like. And so this proved to me, once again, it's not even about the calories. It's not even about tracking the macros. It's about what I believe about food. It's about my thoughts about what's in front of me. And so again, I just decided we're going to just reset our brain around food. We're going to just decide right now what we want out of food. And I wanted to know what portion sizes looked like for cheese. I wanted to know what portion sizes looked like for butter and toast and all of the things that could help me lose weight and still eat what I want. I was not going to not have cheese. I was not going to suddenly only eat low fat cheese. I will not eat low fat cheese. It tastes gross. Um, and I'm just going to eat the normal cheese and I might have a little less of it, but I'm still going to get that cheese <laughs> because it's important to me. And it was so valuable because I 
could visibly see that I was getting to eat what I wanted and lose weight because I was tracking the calories, learning portion sizes. I did, I tracked calories for about four weeks consistently, like five to seven days a week. Like there was, there were some days where I didn't track all the time, but I was very consistent with this. And what it did for me was really give me a baseline of what foods and meals could look like for me and be so enjoyable and still see results from. Now, don't get me wrong. There were some days I didn't want to freaking cook. There were some days where I wanted to just say, okay, I don't care. And there were some days I did, even when I was tracking. I'd be like, I don't care, but I'm eating way more than my calorie deficit is. Like, you know, a few hundred calories more. Um, but through this process, I told myself, I'm just going to learn how to do this. There is no such thing as perfection with this because one of the things I had to switch in my mind was that there was a right way to do this and that we were, if we messed up, that, that meant we were quitting, right? Because that was like the old way of thinking for me, that if I had McDonald's too many days in a row, I was quitting on myself. And I just decided that no matter what I did, it wasn't a sign of me quitting. It was just me learning how to do it. It was learning how to make adjustments in my lifestyle because there's never going to be a time in my life where I have everything perfectly organized. There's not going to be a time in my life where I have everything perfectly meal planned every single week. There are going to be weeks where I'm on my period and I don't feel like cooking and we have frozen pizzas and then McDonald's and maybe Jeff cooks, right? Like, and maybe he doesn't care that I'm tracking macros or doesn't or I can just, you know, measure out something myself. But the point is, is that I wanted to be flexible. I wanted to give myself the grace and understanding of saying, we're going to figure this out no matter what season of life we're in and not beat ourselves up when we're just going through that season of life. We're not going to hold our circumstances against us. So that's what I did for the first month. And the second part of what I did was all mindset, right? Again, Mindset before, I had to decide what the relationship I wanted with food to look like. I had to go into tracking calories with a whole different mindset about what it meant to track calories and why I was doing it. And after I was tracking these calories, or well, through this month that I was tracking my calories, I also had decided that I wanted to learn how to intuitively eat for myself. So I have done a combination of tracking calories and teaching myself intuitive eating. And I don't know if this is like the mainstream definition of intuitive eating, but this is my definition of intuitive eating. And it started with this question. Am I hungry? If I am hungry, I eat. If I am not hungry, I don't eat. Because overeating causes weight loss. And I was eating all the time. I had to learn how to pay attention to my body. I had to learn how to pay attention to my hunger signals and my full signals. Your body is very smart and tells you when it's hungry and it tells you when you're full or when you've had enough food. I started asking myself this question, am I feeling hungry right now? Or is this boredom? Is this fatigue? Is this stress? Is this excitement? Is this nervousness? Is this anxiety? If I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm not, I don't. And again, this is not an all or nothing thing. I had to learn how to understand my body's signals. Because at first, I genuinely didn't know. I was so used to just eating anytime I felt whatever. Oh, I'm bored. Let's eat. Oh, I'm excited. Let's eat. Oh, I'm nervous. Let's eat. Like, it all bled together. My hunger and my emotions were so overlapped that I had to slowly tease those things apart. I had ignored the signals of my body for so long that I couldn't differentiate between them. And I knew if I wanted to not track food all the time, I had to learn how to listen to my body. I had to learn to trust those signals. And in order to do that, 
I also had to stop believing there were no bad foods, right? I really had to emphasize this because any thoughts revolving around, oh, I was so bad this week. I was, I was really bad at eating this week. You can't be bad at eating. What do you mean you're bad at eating? There's no such thing as bad at eating. People, even tube fed people are good at eating because they're still eating. Like you just eat, you just get the food. And you are not bad at all, first of all. Or there's other phrases, any variation of this. Oh, I've just been so inconsistent, right? Like, oh, I'm just so inconsistent. I've been so bad today. No, if you're using this language around your food, you are attaching morality to your eating choices. I'm not talking about what's healthy, okay? I'm not here to argue about broccoli versus Oreos. First of all, healthy is extremely subjective. There are diseases out there that interfere with people um, being able to eat food. And I know of people who have such severe allergies that they literally can eat five or four foods. And what is healthy for them to eat on a physical level is like rice and sugar and amino acid protein shakes, because that is what their body can handle. So healthy is so wildly overused that it, for me, has lost its meaning in the grand scheme of things. Um, and yeah, there's still a general understanding scientifically that processed foods are not quote-unquote healthy foods, and broccoli is better for you than an Oreo. But what I'm saying is that you are not a bad person for eating an Oreo, and you are not a good person for eating broccoli. How many times have you heard, oh, well, you're not a bad person if you eat dessert. But guess what? You're not a good person if you eat vegetables, okay? It's just food. You are a person. You are a good person. Your worth does not change if you eat broccoli, or Oreos. You're not suddenly a better person if you are losing weight. You're not morally superior to people who are overweight because your existence does not sit upon your weight. Your weight gain, your weight loss, your worth is not attached to your weight. And this is the work you have to do because you want to lose weight from a place of love, a place of compassion. You are not a good person for eating broccoli. You are not, um, you're just good, okay? You're just 100% good, 100% worthy. And you get to eat whatever food you want to. Food is not, does not have a moral worth attached to it. This is how I taught myself to be intuitive. Hey, this is how I really had to listen to myself because I knew that I needed to one, start off with a blank slate, that there was nothing bad about me and there's nothing bad about food, which leads me to four. I let myself experiment with how foods felt. So using the tracking from my experience with tracking, I already knew so much about how I felt. The tracking really showed me my relationship to food because I could say, wow, I ate 1,600 calories today. I had a solid breakfast and a good lunch and dinner was fine. I had a small portion of dessert. I am so satisfied with myself. I don't feel bloated. I started really seeing the connections between those things. And I wanted to keep repeating that without tracking. And I knew that a lot of it had to do with hitting my protein goal. And so for me, having protein first thing in the morning, at least 20 grams, like literally I need to start my day off centering around protein, a high protein breakfast, 30 grams if I'm like really on it because the more the better for me. 20 to 30 grams of protein and whatever else to help me have a solid breakfast before I have caffeine. That was another thing I learned. When I have caffeine first, the caffeine doesn't work as good. 
if I want to use caffeine to help me get through the morning or the day or enjoy my coffee really well, it needs to happen after breakfast. And suddenly coffee was like actually feeling nice instead of just spiking my anxiety or making me feel nauseous because that was all I had for the first four hours of the morning. Um, instead of reaching for coffee, I would have a protein shake or a yogurt that was high in protein and maybe some eggs or potatoes or some kind of carbohydrate alongside with it. And um, it was really helping me because I was able to cut any cravings I had by like 70%. It didn't even dawn on me for months into this experience that I wasn't craving things as intensely as before. And then when I started noticing this pattern, it always correlated to how much protein I had. So if I had hit my protein goals or if I was really close and I was getting in the protein, I hardly ever wanted or craved sugar. Um, I would only think about it. It was more like of a thought. And then I would say, oh, am I hungry? And... I would say, oh yeah, I am feeling a little snackish, right? Like I'm a little hungry. And I'd say, I want something sweet. I want dessert. And I, and I dawned on me like, oh, I haven't really craved a dessert in a long time. I just want the dessert because it's like the thought of it. And I am a little hungry, but I don't have this intense need or this intense craving for it. And that kind of control over my cravings, that kind of newfound freedom of being able to be in charge of my body like that was so empowering that I was like, oh, I don't ever want to give this up. I want to know that I can be in control of these cravings. Because when you're on the opposite end and you don't feel in control of your cravings, and when you feel like you're at the whim to like craving sugar so intensely or craving whatever, it feels like unmanageable. And I never wanted to feel like that. I also never once felt deprived because I never thought like, oh, I can't have this dessert until cheat day or, oh, I can't have dessert three days in a row. No, I ate dessert all the time. It was just a much smaller portion because one, I only ate it if I was hungry and two, I only ate until I had enough. I stopped overeating dessert just because I wanted dessert. Dessert is not more special when you get to eat more of it. And I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to disrespect me by lying to me and saying, well, I'm actually kind of hungry right now. No, I'm not going to lie to myself. I promised that I was going to be honest. And this, again, learned tool. You have to be honest with yourself. I need to make a list of all the rules that I gave myself. Actually, I'm going to scratch that. I have a phrase that I've been trying to tell myself. These are not rules. These are tools because <laughs> rules make you think that you are either winning or losing and you don't need to win or lose. You just need to use the tool. So these are not rules. These are tools. But I promised myself, I was like lying to myself about how we feel is disrespectful. To me, that's disrespectful. And I didn't want to disrespect myself anymore. I wanted to build trust and gratitude and joy around food. And how to do that is by not lying to myself that I'm hungry when I'm not. So I said, I'm going to not lie if I'm not hungry. And, you know, dessert is not more special when you eat more of it. Three bites of Ben and Jerry's is just as special as the whole carton. And in my opinion, it's actually could be even more special because you're not forcing yourself to eat something that you don't actually need or want. I ate what I wanted and not more than I needed. And this combination was, it still is, mind-blowing to me. Um, I only ate what I wanted without guilt, too. And I had that love and compassion for myself to stop when I was full. And when my brain said, well, just eat some more because it tastes so good. All those little um, cookie dough bites are so delicious. 
And I would respond and say, wow, you know what? It's so good. And we can definitely eat more of this tomorrow. Maybe even for lunch if we want to. But not today because we're, we're full. I never had to go into scarcity. I never had to think, oh, we can never have this again. Or, oh, I don't get this until cheat day. Oh, I don't, I should never have this. Oh, gosh, I need to get back on track. None of that. None of that. I could just tell myself, yes, we can have as much Ben and Jerry's as we want if we are hungry. And it's actually something that we want to eat at that point. And you know what? Sometimes I wanted it multiple days in a row and there are some weeks that I didn't have it at all because I didn't want it and I kept learning how to trust myself, learning how to trust those signals, learning how to eat with myself in mind and not give up on me. I was teaching myself how not to give up on myself and it has been so beautiful to experience. Um... My body deserves trust and love, and I wanted to love and trust my body. And that goes hand in hand with weight loss. And the last thing I want to um, leave with you is that any goal, we think the goal is going to make us feel something. We think, like I want you to consider, if you want to lose weight, what do you think you're going to feel when you are... 10 pounds lighter or 20 pounds lighter or whatever. Also ask yourself, what do you think you're going to be able to do or believe about yourself that you're not allowing yourself to do or believe right now? These questions are really important because the goal is not what you think it's going to do for you. The goal is a circumstance. Losing 20 pounds is not going to, the process of losing 20 pounds is what changes you, not losing 20 pounds itself, not being, you know, 170 pounds versus 150. It is that process between that goal that is actually going to change you, that is actually the beneficial part that you're going to look back on and be like, whoa, because today I'm 20 pounds lighter than I was last year. And it's not that I look back on one day. The day I hit that goal, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. But it had been the last six months that I had been feeling awesome, right? Because I had been seeing the results. I had been living and embodying the person I wanted to be. And embodying the person you want to be is the key to being able to accomplish your goal and get to where you want to go. It is that identity, the identity of who you want to be at the end of your goal that you need to implement now. So once again, what will you feel when you've lost 10 or 20 pounds? What will you give yourself permission to do when you've lost 10 or 20 pounds? What will you be able to think about yourself when you've lost 10 or 20 pounds? I want you to start believing and thinking and doing those things right now. I want you to start feeling that way about yourself right now. And if you're like, whoa, 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 I can't. That feels, I don't have permission to do that. I need to lose the weight first before I can give myself love and compassion. I need to uh, lose weight before I tell myself I'm pretty or feel more confident or go put a bikini on, or wear short shorts, or a crop top, or whatever thing that comes to mind. I'm going to be a millennial (laughs) and redo the lyrics to Miley Cyrus's The Climb. I can almost see it, the dream I'm dreaming. There's a voice in my head saying you'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels... Lost with no direction. My faith is shaking. But I, I've got to keep trying. I got to keep my head held high. There's always going to be another mountain. I'm always going to want to make it move. Always going to be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm going to have to lose. Ain't about how fast I get there. Ain't about what's on the other side. It's the climb. 
I love this song and I also really love the lyrics, but it's also just really true for life. We get so focused on the destination. We get so focused on the goal itself because we think the goal is what is going to make us feel different. But it is not the goal that makes us feel different. It is the journey to get there. That is where the work is. That is what happens and transforms us. The goal is just the um, catalyst, right? It is the spark of creativity. It is the tether. It is the motivator. It is the thing in the future that we're like, that's where I want to be, right? We're on the, we're looking at the GPS map and we're like, that's where we want to go. But getting there, climbing, driving, swimming, hiking there is what is actually going to create the identity that embodies the results we're after. So if we want to be a person who has lost weight, if we want to be 20 pounds lighter, if we want to be the person that can wear crop tops and um, intuitively eat and says no to food when they are not hungry, you have to start that now. Because it's not just about accomplishing the goal, it's about creating the identity of who you are as a person. And that's what's missing in the diet industry. That is why so many diets fail. One, because most of them are unsustainable and no one takes the time to say like, what kind of relationship do I want with food? But also because we take out the piece that like we think the goal is going to magically transform us. We think that once we hit a weight loss goal or a revenue goal or a um, milestone with our kids that suddenly that goal will give us the confidence. Accomplishing that thing is what's going to give us the um, self-belief. No, you do that day in and day out by committing to yourself to not give up. It's never going to be the destination that fulfills you. It's always the climb. It's always the work that you learn along the way especially when you combine it with the identity shift. You can do all of these things, like you can track calories and work out and you can lose weight, but you might not actually have a transformation internally and that's why you gain weight back. That's why you quote unquote fall off the wagon. That is why you go from feeling in control of your cravings to suddenly feeling like a slave to them. Because you haven't changed the identity of who you are. I am a person who says no when I'm not hungry. I'm a person who can um, have a portion-sized version of Ben & Jerry's and feel satisfied. Because that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be in the future. I don't want to be a slave to food. I don't want to... um, constantly worry about whether or not a food feels guilty and I can 100% confidently say that this has not been hard for me to accomplish I gave myself a goal to lose 30 pounds by December I lost 20 and I had no ounce of guilt or shame or anything I just was like oh well that's really cool that I had that goal, but I kind of just made it out of thin air. I just said, yeah, 30 pounds would be nice by the end of the year. I lost 20 and I feel fantastic. I feel so good, but it's not because I've lost 20 pounds. It's because I've taught myself how to feel good with food. I have changed my mindset around how to feed myself, how to pay attention to myself and my hunger signals. I know how to consistently um, stop eating when I'm full. I know how to make sure I'm drinking water and it's because of my mindset. And as a life coach, it is the best when I have like proof of concept, um, because life coaching has changed my life in so many ways. Um, from advocating for Zola in the hospital and feeling more confident as a mom, and I've been thinking a lot about like who I want to be as a coach and who I'm, who I'm a coach for and like my identity as a coach. And I'm just always going back to moms and I'm like, I am an advocate for the advocates. I am a coach for the moms who want 
to feel that kind of confidence and love and compassion for themselves in all areas of their life. And I know what it's like to love food and want to lose weight. And you can do both. Um, So if you have questions about this, please share them in the Facebook group for Mindset for Medical Moms. And I'm happy to answer any and all weight loss questions. And if you want to lose 20 pounds in six months, like I did, if you want to set a goal and transform your relationship with food, I can help you. Because 90% of the work that I did was in my mind, not um, like I'm going to feed myself anyway. That's what I kept thinking. In the next six months, I'm going to go into the kitchen and have to feed myself anyway. So why not take an extra 10 minutes per day and either track it or pay attention to my body? That's literally all it started being like 10 minutes to check, like overall, like scattered throughout the day, not even at once, maybe in the beginning because I did have to like have a learning curve. But towards the end, it's like, oh, 30 seconds to check in with myself here, a minute to check in with myself there. And it just is now a habit. Sign up for a consultation. We can talk about coaching. We can talk about what it means to work with a life coach. And we can set you up for um, your own GPS roadmap. And I would love to help you accomplish this goal in 2024. Because I think this theme of this year for me and I think for so many others is to know what it's like to not give up on yourself. And you have the choice to do that because giving up on yourself is a choice. And we think it's not. We think that it's just like the default of our circumstances. But you can make the change if you want to. All right. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you later. The episode is over, but there's so much more you can get from our Facebook group. Come to the Mindset for Medical Moms Facebook group community at the link in the show notes and discuss all the things about the podcast. Also, you can get coached for free. Come and ask me questions and connect with fellow medical moms. I hope to see you there. Thank you so much. Thank you.